to the gospel. Um, I pray that you would open the hearts of the folks who are here and help them to look inward, help them to look at at themselves and and, um, be challenged and grow spiritually through this time. In Christ's name, amen. Um, We are on week two of James. Um, Did anybody read it every day this week? Oh, a couple people. Did anybody try to read it every day and read it a few times? All right. (laughs) Uh, To to reiterate, I had uh, years ago, I was at a youth camp, and um, I had taken a bunch of kids when I was a youth pastor, um, and uh, don't throw things at me. It's not okay. Um, <laughs> I had taken a bunch of kids to, uh, to this youth camp, and the guy who was running it um, um, challenged everybody there. He said, if you read this book every day for 40 days, it's five chapters. If, if you read it every day for 40 days, it'll change your life. And, and uh, I, I believe that's true. I believe that, that you know, if you invest in Scripture, it's going to change you. Um, but we are going to be doing probably about eight, ten weeks on, on the book of James. And so um, I'm going to re-mention the challenge, uh, 40 days, once a day, or as often as you can. Um, dig into this book. It is practical. It is all about how to apply what you believe. Awesome, awesome stuff. Um, the, uh, the background, real quick, um, the book was written by James, right? That's why the book of James. Um, it is a letter, a circular letter that was sent to uh, um, folks all over, like Christians all over the world. Um, a lot of them were probably uh, very poor, is the is the general sense of it, and and in a position of being kind of oppressed um, because of their faith um, and and because they stood out in a pagan culture as as Christians, um, even being persecuted in some places by Jewish uh, folks, and and this letter is to is to offer encouragement, but also it, it's if you look at it, it follows a lot of the teachings of Jesus, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount and gives really practical material on how to apply our faith. And, and so um, um, last week we started in on it, and, and the big theme for last week was consider it joy when you go through difficulty. Um, the first chapter deals a lot with, with difficulty and challenge and trial and hardship, and this, this week number two is no different. Um, the big thing for last week um, also was the idea of wisdom. If, if we're experiencing hardship, if we're going through difficulty, and you need assistance, you know, you don't know how you're going to manage it, or you don't think you're going to be able to manage it, ask God. He will give you wisdom, which is knowledge that applies, and that wisdom will help you get through stuff, right? Um, as we jump into this week, I wanted to share a story. It was about nine and a half years ago. I had a, I had a point where I, I gave up almost every vice in my life. Um, I, I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I quit eating meat for almost... 10 years, or for seven years until we moved here, and you guys brought that back in me. <laughs> You're corruptors. <laughs> well, when you have my brisket, like in a few weeks, I'll say, You're welcome. Um, <laughs> um, could somebody bring my tea up? Uh, the, or Jessica, would you bring my tea up? Um, I, 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 I went through this period where, where everything in my life that, that had become an idol kind of kind of got stripped away and God really blessed me by by breaking me down. Thank you wonderful woman. <laughs> the apple of my eye, the chicken in my pot by. I appreciate you bringing me tea. I, <laughs> um, gosh, you guys are giving me trouble today already. It's not even 2 minutes into the sermon. Um <laughs> Um, one of the things that, that um, I've been trying to do, and some of y'all are aware of this, over the last um, probably five months, I've, I've been trying to cut back on coffee. 
be my last vice. I always say it's my last vice. And I'm trying to cut back to two cups a day. And, and like yesterday, I think I had seven. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I, I think the day before that, I actually had two, and I drank tea all day. And, and I, I've been sort of up and down with it. And, and I've been struggling, and I, every once in a while I, I find myself thinking this, and I think it whenever I diet, you know, God, if you just made this not as good, it would be easier. Has anybody gone through that? If you just made this not as good, or if you just made this not as fun, or if you just made this, you know, and there's sort of the opposite of that, if you just made my family less crazy, if you just made <laughs> exercise easier, if you just made celery delicious, um, it would be easier. And, and that's kind of the tact we're coming at. This is a really gentle way of looking at it. Be, be prepared. It's going to get less gentle. Um, James is a very blunt individual. Um, and so the first verse is actually the last verse from last week. And I'm starting with this because, um, because it's, it's a link between the two arguments. Um, last week we talked about trials from the outside. This week we're going to turn inward. Um, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial for once he has been approved he will receive receive the crown of life which the lord has promised to those who love him oh that was you um (laughs) the 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 long and short of this um we go through trial and we persevere because we have faith in christ Um, god's son jesus christ came to this earth he died for you he died for me because we sinned right he took punishment for our sins. And our calling as people who believe in him is first off to be aware that the only way we're okay in front of God is through Jesus' blood, right? And then we're supposed to chase after being like right before him, right? Like we're supposed to strip away sin out of our lives. Last week we talked about how sometimes difficulty can take sin out of us, right? It can help us persevere. It can help us become like develop endurance. It can help us become like more perfect um, and more in the image of Christ. Um, this week we're going to look at it from a different angle, like I said. But understand, like whenever we go through turmoil, whenever we go through difficulty, whenever we go through trial, and we come out the other side. We're more Christ-like if we lean on Him. Everybody with me? All right. Let no one say when he is tempted, "I am being tempted by God," for God cannot. Be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Um, James moves on from trials to temptation. Does anybody struggle with temptation? Is it just me? It's not just coffee for me, by the way. i got a stack of them. Um, temptation is any time I look at something... And, and desire it and begin to lust after it. Lust is not just a sexual word. Like, it's easy to think of it that way. But it's, it's in terms of, like, lust is a desire that becomes, like, consuming. Does that make sense? Like, it's a desire that, that like, takes the place of godly behavior. It becomes, it's all about me and I need to feed it. Right? Um, you can lust after cars. Right? You can lust after possessions. You can lust after power. You can lust after prestige. You can lust after, you know, all sorts. I mean, there's anything in the world can become an object of lust. Um, And so when James says, um, um, you know, we are enticed by our own lust and carried away by it. First off, in the Greek, that's in a passive form, meaning literally 
Like you're sitting there and you allow your own lust to just get out of control and it just carries you off, right? It's, you know, like you're not even resisting. You're just, all right, well, I'm along for the ride. Let's go. Um, it's the old joke, uh, lead us not into temptation because I can find my own way, thanks. Um, <laughs> temptation is something that comes from within, right? Um, and that's really the distinction here. He's saying God does not put things in front of you to tempt you. The things that come up in front of you are there, and then you are tempted by them because of what exists within you, right? I am a sinful person. You are all sinful people, whether you believe it or not. I'm sorry if I'm breaking it to you. We can talk later. But it is the truth. We're all infected by sin. We're all fallen creatures. And that's why we need Jesus to save us. Um, That sin that lives inside us, in Romans 7, Paul talks about this at length. He says, listen, that sin, it grabs hold of anything I'm not supposed to have, and it carries me away, right? Paul describes himself as a slave to sin. And James is right in harmony with this, right? When we are tempted, it is not because God takes something, puts it in front of us, and says, I know you're going to want this, but you shouldn't, right? I'm watching my kids. They're learning to tease each other. Specifically, the little one's learning to tease the big one, right? Like it's this natural thing. I think all little brothers develop it. Does that sound about right? I, this is my first, like, son, but, but he's not even, like, one and a half, and he's already learning to torment his sister. And I know there's going to be a day, and I've kind of seen her start doing it, where my daughter puts things in front of him, gets him interested, and runs off with it. I, in fact, actually, the boy hurt himself yesterday because she took his blanket away, and he carries this blanket around and cuddles with it, and she ran around him. <laughs> and he's trying to get it, and she's just like, <laughs> um, she's enticing him, right? This isn't how God is treating us. God isn't taking the perfect thing that you want and waving it in front of you and saying, don't you want this? Don't you want this? That's not coming from God, Right? Um, and further, our excessive desire isn't like, isn't like natural. When I see, um, when I watch TV and I see a Dodge commercial, I don't get sweaty and think I really need a new Dodge because I don't want a Dodge, right? Like the commercial can't make me want something that's generally broken. Uh, I know they stopped making Thunderbirds, so I'm out of lust. Um, I, um, Instead, it's when I pick something out as, as a desire for me, right? And I start building it up and building it up. That's the point in which temptation sets in. Everybody with me? Um, and I, I know some of y'all are sitting here and you've got your pet temptations, right? There are a lot of men who struggle with pornography. I mean, that is a real struggle for people. Um, there are a lot of people who struggle with spending money. Um, there are a lot of people who struggle with alcohol. There are a lot of people that struggle with with, honestly, gossip. How much fun is gossip, right? How much fun is it to gather up and eat somebody else's lunch? You know, and and really just, you know, um, some of us carry resentment for years and years and years, and it's such a temptation to revisit the stuff that we're ticked off about, right? That ain't God. Everybody with me? God is not putting that in front of you so that you want it. That's us. That's our sin. And our sin picks us up and carries us off if we don't overcome it. Um, and so when we face evil, even if it's a difficult circumstance, and we say, God, why would you put this in front of me? You're just making me sin. 
you know, or God, why would you put me in this situation? How am I supposed to deal with it? That's not him. That's us. Um, we're going to move on to 15. Um, then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Check out the, like the, the analogy James employs is conception and birth, right? Um, and, and quite literally, actually I have a list here that we're going to jump into, but, but lust sees, it creates, that creation grows and becomes sin, and then when sin happens, it brings spiritual death, which is separation from God, right? All of us are born spiritually dead. When we are in Christ, when we follow Jesus, we become spiritually alive. God brings us back to life because we're in relationship with him, right? Um, sin kills us. Sin creates distance and separation and spiritual death. Um, frequent, frequently, sin destroys the people around us, right? You want to see a broken, messed up situation? You look for the sin involved, and you'll figure out, like, like what's causing it. Because, like, when we act Christ-like, when we resist sin, when we overcome, it brings life, not death. Um, there's a, a progression here. Check this out. Temptation to sin is not divine activity, but an evil one. So when we're tempted, that's us. Everybody with me? Um, temptation begins with, a, with the potential of the believer's own desire to satisfy themselves or to satisfy God. This is important. Oftentimes, temptation, right, sin is birthed out of either a desire to take care of yourself or to take care of other people. Um, I... I, I generally struggle with eating too much. It's a sin we don't talk about in church very much, right? Because um, it's not a very popular one. But I struggle with eating too much. Um, I, I struggle with, um, with, with all sorts of temptations, but I need to eat, right? And eating makes me feel good. Feeling good is actually a good thing, right? Um, it's not a bad thing to feel good. Um, but when that becomes God... Instead of God being God, like when my good feelings or my relief from stress or my escape from my situation or my having what I want, right? Because having things isn't necessarily sinful. It's turning things into idols and making them into God that makes them sinful. Like that becomes sin, right? Like temptation always, always, always comes out of something natural. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sin that, that, that is just out of meeting our needs and it becomes out of control. On the other end of that is sometimes folks think I'm going to serve God and they try to serve God and it gets out of control and it becomes sinful. Um, I know a lot of ministers, and I've been guilty of it in the past, I, I, I try very hard not to be guilty of it now, who take pride in their serving God. And it becomes an idolatrous thing or it becomes an arrogant thing. It becomes a self-serving thing and it becomes a problem. And it can. Like we're to do things like God's way. Um, evil desire, like, becomes this powerful attraction. Um, has anybody ever, like, stopped in the middle of, like, doing something that you shouldn't and it almost hurts because you don't want to stop? I mean, like, where, where that desire to do the wrong thing or even that anger at someone or that rage that builds up inside you and all you really want to do is, like, bring it and you're just like, I don't, oh, I really want to, but I'm not. Um, that evil desire, it's so powerful. And it's so powerful, honestly, because the sin inside us, like, wants it. It hungers for it. It's in the nature of us. It is very difficult to overcome. Um, temptation, like, takes hold in yourself. Um, sin, sin begins to live. 
Um, sin grows to full maturity, and then in the end, we die spiritually. And that's when you hit this point where you are, your sin is so all-encompassing that you just you cease to be alive spiritually. Um, I, years and years of working in church, I've seen this happen like all kinds of times. Um, I, I, I've talked to guys who sat down and said, it is okay for me to cheat on my wife because I'm sure God is fine with it. That sounds right, right? Um, I have talked to folks who've said, um, I have to do this because um, it, it's right in my eyes. Or um, the, the one church I worked at, the pastor sat down and visited with this guy who just walked in and, and talked to him about why God didn't exist. And at the end of the conversation, the guy said, look, I'm doing some pretty bad things. I'm stealing from my company. I'm, you know, like cheating on my wife. I'm doing these things. And if God exists, I can't do those things. So I'm pretty sure he's not there. Like, okay, <laughs> that's reasoning, right? But what happens is that sin takes full hold and we cease to, like, even be able to think straight anymore and we just get lost. Um, 116, and this, I think, is maybe the hinge verse in this portion of the text. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers or brethren. Do not be deceived, do not be deceived, do not be deceived. Think about that for a minute. How lost are you if you're lying to yourself and believing it? Um, I have had periods of time in my life where I lied to myself so much that I completely believed my own lies, and it became okay for me to do bad things. Has anybody else done that, by the way? Is it just me? Like two of us? Wow. Uh, three, yay! We're all in good company. Um, <laughs> But it's the truth. Um, years and years of, of working around, like, sex offenders and drug addicts and, and, and folks, like, you see this where um, this self-deception, this, this lie that we tell ourselves, this denial that we live in, um, we fool ourselves into believing that these things are not real, that our actions aren't really sinful, that if we do it one more time, it's just going to be the last time. If we, you know, like these things, they, they just, they kill us spiritually. And our distance from God becomes greater. And what makes that distance greater is um, that I'm picking something else as God and God's just backing up, right? So look, if this is what you want, I'll let you have it. Um, Romans 1, actually, if you want to sit down and read a really dark story about that, it's Romans 1, where it talks about God handing people over to their sin over and over again, and sin just gets out of control. That's what that's about. That's about um, us picking sin over God and just reveling in it and dying spiritually in short steps. 17 and 18, this is the last portion of the passage we're looking at. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Now, when you look around you and there are good things in your life, right, before we turn them into wicked, before we turn them into sin, we need to recognize, like, every good thing is from God, right? Um, I, I talk about pornography a lot and, like, abuse of pornography, like, like, that area of life's good, right? It's a blessing. It's something that God gives to, to married couples. It's something that God gives because, because it's a good thing, right? Um, when it turns into something wicked and broken is when it's sinful. Um, food is a good thing. When it becomes something that enslaves me, it's not good anymore. 
Um, even your children are a good thing, but if your children become God, it's not a good thing. Anything that takes the place of God is an idol. Um, but every good and perfect thing is a gift from God. Does it make more sense to worship the gift or to worship God then? Um, ultimately, the, the bottom line for this whole idea of temptation and this whole idea of being dragged off by sinful desire is um, we're worshiping the thing given and not the giver. Um, when we find ourselves struggling with sin, the first thing we need to do is repent. We need to go to God and say, I am stuck. Um, we need to recognize that something that we are worshiping is not him. Whether it's our own sense of need for revenge, which some people get chewed up by, right? Have you ever met somebody who was so bitter and angry over one event in their lives that everything they touch turns, like, dead? Like, I, I, have, a, I have a black thumb. If I put something in the ground, it'll die. I can't believe anybody lets me near their farms because, like, I walk and it's... <laughs> death surrounds me. Um, it, it's kind of the same idea spiritually, right? Anything that takes the place of God will bring death. Um, for us to go in the other direction is to turn around and say, Jesus is the number one in this spot, right? Jesus is the number one in my life. Jesus is what I worship. When I receive something good and, and, and I have something good, I say thank you. When I look at something and I say, I want that so bad, um, we need to back up and recognize that whether we have it or don't have it, like Jesus is ultimately the answer in it, right? Um, we thank God for the good things. We recognize that they're from him. We recognize even the life that we have is from him. Um, and temptation is accomplished, or like overcoming temptation is accomplished through new life in Christ. Um, the first part of that is is, um, can, is repentance, but then like like turning around and confessing and leaning on each other. The hardest thing I have ever done in my life, years ago when I gave up all of my vices, was I sat down with a handful of guys and three times a week, four times a week, five times a week, six times a week for a while, I talked to them about, I'm tempted here, I'm tempted here, this is what I want, this is what's tearing me up, this is why I'm angry today, this is why I'm bitter today, this is why I think God is probably cheating me right now, this is why this is a problem, and I confessed it, and they held me accountable, because brothers and sisters in Christ, right, we're all struggling, and if we're not struggling, like, there may be a problem, right, we all struggle with sin, um, and our job is to hold each other up. Our job is to disciple each other. Our job is to hold each other accountable and encourage each other and push each other towards seeking holiness. Um, there are folks who do that in the name of, like, self-righteousness. Not okay, right? This is about relationship and love. It's about intimacy with Christ through our relationships with each other. Um, that's how we overcome it. Um, Father of lights, by the way, refers to the fact that God hung the stars in the sky. There is no variation or shifting shadow in the exercise of his will. He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures or among his creatures. Meaning we are spiritually alive. We break away from our self-deception. We break away from being blinded by sin because God's word, God's Holy Spirit, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, brings us out of it, right? Um, she's not in here. I'm going to pick on her. Dusty um, watched our kids the other night so Jess and I could go and watch the Northern Lights. We came home, and she was asleep on the couch, and I said, Dusty, are you going to get up and go home? And she sat up, and she smiled at me, and she laid back down. 
<laughs> and I said, Dusty, are you going to sleep on my couch tonight or are you going to go home? She rolled over and looked at me and nodded and then pulled the cover up and went back to sleep. I had the lights on. The baby was screaming. Jessica was walking in and out. I think I turned the TV on and she continued to sleep. And finally, my wife came in and said, what are we going to do with this child? Is she just going to sleep on our couch? And I said, I've talked to her several times. (laughs) My wife went in there. I think she pulled the covers off her and she maybe dumped a bucket of water on her. I think that's how I usually get woken up. Or she threw one of the babies at her and that woke her up. But I heard Jess loudly saying, get up, get up, get up. And Dusty got up and Jess took her home, right? You can tell her I picked on her and apologize and we'll give her money or something. Um, (laughs) um, But (laughs) um, check this out. When we are awakened, when we are brought back into spiritual life, when we are brought into relationship through the Word of God, through His Holy Spirit convicting us, through the Son of God dying for us, that is God loving us so much that He's willing to wake us up, right? The biggest danger that we have is that we say, all right, God, I hear you. Isn't it the truth? Because honestly, if you sleep through it the first time, the next time God wakes you up, it's going to be less pleasant. (laughs) and I suspect there's more than one person in here who's been woken up very abruptly and unpleasantly and God has said, all right, it's time to get up and we didn't want to and then he woke us up less pleasantly and it gets worse and that's actually, it's interesting because it's not necessarily God as much as sin overtaking us and digging our way out of sin hurts. It just hurts. Um, But because he woke us up the first time, because he willed enough because he loved us enough to wake us up and bring us out of our sin, he'll do it for us again. And he'll do it for us again. And he'll do it for us again. All we need is faith in Christ, right? Um, That we would be first fruits. The phrase first fruits in the Old Testament is used to refer to offerings to God, right? Your first fruits were what you gave to God. What is your life for? Your life is an offering to God. You live right not because like, You're going to pile up a big treasure in heaven, not so that people will look at you and think how awesome you are, but so you can be intimate with God and so you can offer your life as an offering, right? So you can worship God with every moment of every day. Um, I'll tell you, I have worshipped things. I have worshipped experiences. I have worshipped images. I have worshipped almost everything I could think of, and nothing, nothing, nothing filled me up. The only thing that ever made me feel full was worshiping Jesus because that's what I'm made to be. Um, my challenge for you this week as you go out of here, look at your heart, look at your soul, look at what tempts you, look at what you worship, look at what is not God in your life that is sitting in God's spot. I have that trouble all the time right now. As soon as I stand up and walk away from my chair, I have a three-year-old girl who jumps into it. It's like she watches. In fact, I think sometimes she asks for things from the kitchen so that I'll get up so she can jump into my spot, right? If there is a thing sitting in God's chair in your life, figure it out, kick it out, and move it, you know, move it away. Um, Real life, real health, real growth spiritually happens when we realize temptation is something that comes out of us. It's our sin. It's us. It's just us, not him. Nobody else's fault, just ours. And he loves us enough to give us grace and forgive us. Can't go far enough 
like a way to escape like God's grace for us. Um, we're going to close in prayer. And actually, I have one more thing. Um, I have, if you're going to do the reading every day for the month or for the six weeks or whatever, um, if you're interested in digging into this a little more, I have a, a Bible study, a packet, right? It's the passage we're doing next week, right? It's a deeper look at it. Some of the exploration of the, the words and, and some questions to help you reflect. And I'm going to be doing that for the next few weeks. Um, grab one up on the way out. Do it in your time. Um, let me know if it's good for you. Let me know if you want me to keep doing it. Um, I can do it forever, actually. Um, if it helps you grow spiritually, I'll do it forever twice. Okay? Um, so let's pray. Um, we'll do a blessing and we'll, we'll, we'll be done. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us today. I pray that you would give us grace and peace as we seek you out. Lord God, I pray that, and, and I know it's not a fun prayer, Lord, but I pray that you would bring the things in our lives that are idols, that are sinful, bring them in front of us. Um, put it right in front of us and help us to realize what we need to overcome. Help us to stand together as the body of Christ, as, as the family of Jesus. Um, help us to stand together and support each other and help us to seek you in all things. Um, let there be no dark place in our lives, Lord. There's no changing in you, and, and Lord God, we know that we can trust you. Um, help make us pure. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so stand up and we'll close with a blessing. And I will hand, or uh, the stack of papers is in the back. Um, and if you want a brisket cook-off flyer to hang up somewhere, grab it up. Um, may the God who redeemed you, may the God who went through anything because of his love for you, um, may the God who saves you from your sins keep you awake. May he wake you up to sin in your life, um, and may he give you strength to overcome it. Amen.